Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And I am so glad that you are back for season five, where we've been talking with different people each month. As you know, each month we're featuring a different story at the beginning of the month and then having people on to kind of talk about the questions that arise from the different stories that are being shared. And each month I get to feature someone that I care about and whose story matters on this podcast. And today, I'm very excited to be sharing somebody's story that I love. I love this young woman. I've known her the longest of anybody who's been on this podcast as um, one of my special co-hosts or as one of uh, the people sharing their story. Um, I think that's true. Um, Maybe, I mean, I can think Brian co-hosted with me and we've known each other longer. But um, I remember meeting this young woman when she was one year old. And um, she's just been a huge part of my life um, ever since, and she still is. This is Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad. Now, you are currently um, in your car. Now, is your car on? Because it's very cold there right now. Yes, I'm trying to warm it up right now because I came out freezing. I'm still kind of shivering, but it's warming up. Oh my goodness. Uh, what's the temperature where you're at right now? Um, my car says it's negative one. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so why are, really what are cool. you doing in your car right now? Well, I have roommates and they're all home right now and we have really thin walls. And okay. so, so that they can take their naps and do their studying. I figured I'd take it out to my car. Okay. So do you want to share a little bit about yourself? I know you're a college student. You said you have roommates. Tell me a little bit about uh, you live in a sorority house, is that right? Yes, I do. I'm in my second year, but I have junior credits, um, and I'm studying speech language hearing sciences. So I hope to take that to grad school someday, but I'm still working through my undergrad. Um, and last spring I got invited to join a sorority and it was a difficult decision for me at the time, but I felt really called to join. So I joined. And now I'm a member of spring 2021 pledge class of Delta Zeta. And so I've been living in the house this year and I have six roommates. Six roommates. Now I've lived in that kind of situation before and there's always fun things that can arise when you have seven 
yeah. women living together. Um, it's, but it's, a, it's a ride. <laughs> you're more than just living there, though. You're very involved. In fact, when I saw you a few weeks ago, you were sharing with me on our walk that you have like, I want to say like five different jobs or how many jobs do you have right now? Um, at the moment, I have two. It kind of fluctuates with the season. Um, I've held a lot of jobs, though. Um, so in the summer, I nanny for my dad and I lifeguard. Um, my steady job, I work as a manager at Caribou. And then I'm also working um, as one of the co-directors or the co-assistant directors of the honors program um, okay. on campus. Okay. So those are my two jobs right now. But. but you also have different roles in your sorority. Is that right? Yes. How many, yes. How many um, roles are there? I hold two positions. Okay. In so yeah, I'm vice president of membership and then I'm also social outer chair. Yeah. So you've got a lot going on. I do. And how did you, now when you were growing up, you, I, I remember that you wanted to be a vet. That was something that you were really passionate about. Yes. How did you land on, is it speech and language um, pathologist? Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. So I hope to be either a speech language pathologist, but in the recent years, um, I've gotten very interested in like hearing. So I'm also considering audiology. Um, but the whole thing that got me onto um, that route altogether is um, I found my passion in people. And I really wanted to have a career that worked closely with um, people and making connections and making a difference on people's lives. Um, but after doing a lot of research, I just, I'm a very, very sensitive person and I like, I have a habit of taking other people's emotions onto myself. And so after doing research, I found that being a psychologist or a social worker wasn't really the right route for me. So I remember Googling, um, jobs similar to social worker and it came up with a list and speech language pathologist was on that list. And so I looked closer into it and I realized that, um, it just seemed perfect for me um, because like two of my sisters actually had to go to speech um, speech therapy in the past. So I had kind of already seen the impact that um, that career has on people's lives like firsthand. And I just think that that is such an amazing um, idea that one person can help so many aspects of a person's life because communication is so important. And so I just grew a passion from there for it. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to be great at it. And knowing, you know, what I know of my husband and his work, mm -hmm. um, those jobs, uh, I mean, you could pretty much write your own ticket, I think, from what I understand. There's definitely a lot of opportunities yes. for speech for sure. language pathologists. So it's going to be great. And you're going to be able to go wherever you want. For whoever's listening, would you share a little bit about your um, growing up and, um, and we'll kind of segue into your faith journey after you share a little bit more? Yeah, so... I'm just going to dive right into it. So my mom had me uh, when she was 22 and she was a single mother. Um, so I've kind of had my whole life kind of like this duality, like growing up, I would have like kind of like two separate homes like with my mom and then with my dad. Um, and I mostly stuck with my mom um, growing up. So most of my childhood experience is with that side of the family. Um, but I definitely also learned a lot in my childhood through having those like separate kind of familial lives um and so a huge part of who I am today comes from the two different cultures I have because like my mom is like born 
in America and comes from a Caucasian family. But my dad is actually um, from Mexico. He's from Jalisco down in Mexico. And he um, had to like get his citizenship like formally to like be in the America. So he has his dual citizenship, Mexico, America. Um, but he has a whole different culture coming from a different country. Um, so it's very, very different um, environments that I kind of grew up in. Mm-hmm. So you lived uh, mostly with your mom uh, growing up. And then how often would you uh, see your dad? Not very often, if I remember right. Um, it would be just about every other holiday. And then we would kind of squeeze um, long weekends in there where we could. Um, but we weren't really able to fit in very many of those visits. Um, so I don't remember seeing my dad much when I was a kid. And now that I, I am on my own, I think I've probably like collected more hours now than like childhood hours if we kind of see it that route. Um, but it definitely like my relationship with that side of my family kind of blossomed more as I grew up and moved out. Because then I was able to drive myself and I didn't have to rely on two separate like people to drive, drop off at the midpoint, drive and go back home kind of thing. So. Yeah, because your parents lived quite a ways away. About five hours away, yep. Okay. Um, so sh- share a little bit about um, maybe the cultural differences between growing up with your mom and, and your dad's family, which it sounds like you're getting more involved with at this point too. Yeah. So I remember my mom's side of the family, everybody is like super close. And that's really similar with my dad's side of the family too. I think um, with both families, the central value is family. And that's something that has stayed constant in both of those cultures. Um, But I guess um, the biggest difference is language. Um, We just speak English with my mom, um, but with my dad, it's a mix of Spanish and English. Um, So that's a huge difference. Um, But with my mom, it would be a little bit less tense for me, um, at least in my childhood, because it was everybody I knew well and I was comfortable with. And so I feel like I didn't really feel awkward or tense with that side of my family because it was just my family. Like I was hanging out with them every weekend because we spent a lot of quality time together. Um, Mm -hmm. So the environment there was just very laid back and casual, I guess. And then visiting my dad growing up, I didn't really know him that well. And I think that since I was so used to just speaking English around the house, it was a huge um, culture shock to be around just Spanish. And I didn't really feel like I had a place there because I didn't know how to speak Spanish. So I didn't know what they were saying. And I just felt like I couldn't connect with them and that's something I've outgrown but I remember when I was a kid it was a big deal for me because I was like what if they're talking about me what -hmm. if they're gossiping about me and I'm right there like they weren't but like I was just a little kid and I couldn't understand what they were saying um so now the environment I have is very similar to like with my mom's like comfortable I feel there's no awkwardness like I feel like I'm at home because I've grown up and I've kind of learned a little bit more Spanish so I kind of have an idea of what they're saying um but back when I was a child I just remember feeling very out of place and uncomfortable Mm. 
Yeah, that's a lot of insecurity uh, to experience as a young kid. And then, I mean, I know having had other people here on this podcast and talking with other people um, whose dads weren't necessarily present all the time, that can create a lot of issues. Did you feel like a lot of times people call them daddy wounds? Did you feel like you had (laughs) or you've had some of that? For sure. I think that um, not having because like I was really close with my grandpa growing up and he was definitely a father figure for me. And him and I like were very extremely close when I was a kid and we still are close, just less so because I get less time with him. But he kind of became my father figure. Um, But it definitely just isn't the same. Like you can't replace your actual dad. And so I remember um, when I was a kid. I put so much pressure on myself. Um, I had to get the best grades and I had to be the perfect student and I had to be so smart so that I could make my dad proud. Cause I remember when he would pick me up um, from like the drop-off point with my mom, um, the first thing he would ask is how is school going? And so that gave me this idea that I had to be perfect and he cared about how I did in school and that's how I would make him care. Mm. Um, and so that definitely was a huge impact that Um, not having my dad around had on me but also not having a guy around the house also just made me very uncomfortable around men like I still kind of struggle with that um I kind of gravitate gravitate towards um women more and like hanging out with women um just because like men are so like foreign to me um and I guess also just not having like that father figure around my life also has had a few impacts on like my dating life too so it definitely has had a huge impact on who I am as a person and like what I had to learn for myself and that kind Mm. of stuff yeah and you said obviously your relationship with your dad has changed over the years but um how do you have a relationship with your biological dad now do you are you ever able to share with him um, like how you're feeling or those kind of things, or is it just not, not part of the culture or part of your relationship? Um, it's slowly becoming a part of our relationship. Um, even when I do visit my dad, I don't get to see him very often because he works like every day to support the family. So he's always at work. Um, but I remember for the longest time, we weren't really able to share our emotions with each other we just don't really talk very often. And I think it's just kind of a mutual understanding we both have. It's like, we're hanging out on the couch. We don't want to have a small talk. He wants to watch his soccer. I want to go on my phone. So we kind of have this mutual understanding of we're here in the room together. We love each other, but we don't need to fill that space. And that's kind of the relationship that we do have. Um, But actually recently, my father's father passed away. Um, It was... It might have been a year ago now. I'm really bad with time, but um, as bad as it sounds, that really pushed me and my dad towards a better relationship just because I think my dad realized how much he loved his dad. And I think that he wants that same relationship with me. So we'll talk about my abuelo pretty often now. And that's kind of a big bonding thing for me and my dad. He'll show me videos because my grandpa used to sing in Mexico. He would sing mariachi music. And so my dad will show me videos of it. And then we'll cry together and talk about my abuelo. And that has caused us to become a lot closer than we used to be. Yeah. Did you ever meet your grandfather on your dad's side? 
once. Um, once they came to visit me, um, they made the trip down to take me to the mall. And I remember being in the car with um, my grandpa and my dad. And I don't remember if anybody else was there, but we went to the toy store and my grandpa bought me, you know, those pony heads on a stick? Mm-hmm. Bought me one and it was silver and glittery, glittery and it made when you press a button. And he bought <laughs> that for me and he told me, I have horses in Mexico. Like you need to come visit so that you can see the real horses and I can give you a real horse. Aww. Yeah. And then I don't remember this, but my dad always likes to tell me the story of when we were in that car ride, uh, my grandpa was playing music and the music was singing in Spanish. And um, I started singing gibberish and they asked me, they're like, Liz, what are you doing? And I answered, I'm singing just like grandpa. Mm -hmm. And so that's my dad's favorite story. Well, I was going to say, you grew up singing constantly. Um, yes. And that kind of is, I think, connected with your faith journey. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your love for music? And maybe we can segue into um, the yeah. faith aspect. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I've always just been a musical person. I remember growing up singing my fancy ABCs, and I used to make up songs. And I was always singing. That was definitely my identifying it was my trademark um, to be always singing. And um, throughout my junior high and high school career, I was um, always auditioning for the next choir. Um, so I was in a lot of honors choirs um, throughout um, high school. Um, because you have a beautiful voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you get it um, but, from both sides because your mom has a beautiful voice too. Yes, and so does my dad. So it's definitely, it's it's in my DNA. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I don't know, I just, I love singing. So I remember my grandma and I became really close because of music. She would play piano and I would sing. Um, and that got brought into church. Um, I remember I still have the video of, on my phone of my first time singing in church when I was six years old. So. What song were you singing? I don't even know what it was called, but it must have been a Christmas song. Because I remember the lyrics are like, Jesus, Jesus, and like, talked about like Mary and Joseph was his earthly father those are some of the lyrics (laughs) (laughs) I don't know the name of the song that's all I can give you (laughs) so did you grow up I mean I obviously know um the answers to some of these questions but did you grow up going to church all the time and tell me um about like your personal experience with faith yeah so I um I regularly was going to church when I was a kid every Sunday we would all go together grandpa grandma mom my little sister my cousin um and we would all go to church together every Sunday and it was um definitely a community feeling and um it was really fun I definitely really enjoyed going to church and I was really active in church activities Um, When I was seven, I went to my first Bible camp experience. Um, And then I went every single year after until I couldn't anymore. I mean, I guess I technically could have last summer because I was 18 last summer and that's the cutoff. Um, But I just felt weird being a college student going as a camper. So 17 was my last year at Bible camp. But um, Bible camp definitely formed who I am today. Um, I loved it. It was my happy place. And it was where 
I learned how to be confident and how to talk to strangers. And I found some of my closest friends there. And the experience was just so free because I feel like my childhood church was a bunch of um, elderly people mostly. And so I felt really uncomfortable letting completely loose there um, just because I was like, oh, they're all going to watch me. This is such a small church. But summer camp was so full of people that nobody saw or cared what I was doing. And so I just completely let free and worship was my favorite because I got to sing and worship God and be 100% into it which was an amazing experience. So I looked forward to Bible camp every year just so that I could have that again for a few days. Mm-hmm. You're getting emotional right now if you're talking about yeah. it. <laughs> How it's come? happy memories for me, but it also is just very melancholy because um, I have definitely had a falling out with my faith. And so looking back and seeing how deeply invested and joyful I was, it's definitely a bittersweet, bittersweet feeling for me because I'm very happy with who I am today and I'm very proud of myself and content and I feel like I am in a good place, but it's just very, emo- like I'm a very emotional person. I'm very in touch with my emotions and it definitely makes me emotional to look back on the past and just see how things were different and remember how joyful I was, but also remember the moments that have hurt me too because it hasn't all been sunshine and rainbows for me faith wise i've definitely had a few moments that just really stung Mm -hmm. and i think that that has um, pushed me away in some aspects so So tell me more about that what's the difference between the elizabeth who was at bible camp feeling joyful and worshiping freely and feeling like she could be 100 percent herself um and elizabeth now who feels confident but sorrowful remembering remembering yeah. that um i guess towards my later years and towards me moving away to college i kind of realized how put into a box i was um and it just was a really suffocating feeling for me through the rest of my senior year of high school specifically because um so we kind of previously talked about how I um, used to sing in church a lot um, and I would volunteer to do so. I loved doing it, but I'm the kind of person where I'm happy to do something if I'm offering to do it. But if somebody is trying to make me do something, that immediately takes the joy out of it for me. Um, So now instead, or not now, then I guess it was, but instead of singing because I wanted to and singing because it brought me joy, I was singing because I had to. because even if I said no, the answer would be, yes, you are. Um, So I kind of felt very pushed into a box and expected to be one kind of person when I wanted to just be myself. And so after moving out, um, I kind of found that I could be who I wanted to be. And I didn't have to be pushed into a box because there was no longer a person over over my neck, you know, like, watching me from behind and seeing what I was doing because I was living alone. Um, So I kind of found my own way in the faith. And I guess um, there's just a part of me that is scared to go to church. So I kind of, I stopped going to church after moving in to my dorm. Um, And I still would call myself a Christian. I believe 
in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe in God. He loves me and he has a plan for me. And I pray. Um, but I also have picked up on some things that I think um, my family specifically would really frown upon. Um, like I, I use tarot cards and I, um, I have a bunch of like crystals and like those are some like defining things about myself and my religion that I would say kind of move me a little ways out of that like Christian box. Um, so my religion you, right now. I'm, I'm, I'll stop you right like interject a couple things. I want to hear the rest of the story. But how did you get involved with tarot cards and crystals? Um, so tarot cards kind of came from crystals um, for me. So when I first got into crystals, it's actually really funny how I got into them because the people that I was friends with who got me into that part of my life, um, I don't associate with anymore um, just because I realized they were kind of toxic and they, they were just dishonest. And I don't really like surrounding myself with dishonest people. But I remember there was a time where they were like, they apparently had a stalker in their dorm. I didn't have one. We lived on the same floor, but they felt really unsafe and they felt like the energy like around them was unsafe. And so they wanted to go to the crystal store to like get crystals to like protect their energy. And so I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if crystals are actually real. I don't know if they work, but I'm down to try something new. I'm down to hang out. So I went to the crystal store with them and I bought a piece of rose quartz and a piece of obsidian and that's it um and then after i just i still wasn't sure about crystals i was still on the fence but i was just really drawn to something about them like there was just a part of me that really felt like a connection to the store specifically and i just really like my crystals they make me feel good inside and I don't know how else to explain it so I'm sorry that's not like the best explanation um but then I just I kept going back and then eventually they have they have these little shelves inside the store filled with like rows and rows of decks of tarot cards and one of my the same friends was like we should check those out they seem cool and I was like okay yeah so I went over to that section and I bought a deck of tarot cards and I just kind of used them for fun in all honesty I didn't use them for their intended meaning I just was like, these are pretty, I'm gonna use them. And so that's what it was for me for a while. And then I kind of realized these do have significance and I want to learn more. So then I started researching what they actually meant and it really resonated with me. So I actually bought a new deck now and I have two tarot decks now, but I use them when I'm feeling um, stressed out or unsure of what to do. And I kind of use them as cards to remind me of who I want to be and to give me messages of like hey you're being you're being too I can't think of an example like you're being too black or white right now you need to see things this way and opening your perspective is going to help you understand them better and so they've kind of become that kind of like guiding factor for me. Mm -hmm was i'm guessing maybe you don't experience this now but in the beginning when you went to the crystal store or when you went and got those tarot cards was there a part of you that was kind of like i know this would make some people upset and it kind of feels good to like <laughs> buck the um, system here i don't know that's a really good question and honestly 
I don't know how to answer it because I don't really remember the minds that I was in back then. And I don't want to like rewrite how I felt then to now. So I don't know if that was ever a driving force for me buying them, but there definitely was a piece of me when I was going there that was like, I'm really scared because my mom's going to find out and she's going to be so mad and like, she just can't know. So I would hide them. Mm-hmm. So like, I just, I just pretended that wasn't something I owned. Now I keep them in my car, but like back when I was buying them, mm-mm, mm-mm, I would not keep them out in the open because I felt like what I was doing was evil and wrong in mm-hmm. some way. Um, so that definitely was a feeling that I had. How about now? Do you still feel that way? Like maybe it's evil or wrong? Um, there's definitely a curiosity. Um, I'm like, there's really no way for me to know whether what I'm doing is right or wrong. You know, like, I don't think there's a 100% clear answer. I think that's a very blurred line. Um, but I've learned that it doesn't serve me to live in fear and it doesn't, it doesn't help me to worry so much about what other people think because it makes me happy but it's not going to make me happy if I'm stressing out about it and then it's just coming from the wrong place you know I believe you got to do things with all of your heart and so I was like it wouldn't be right for me to own these if I'm ashamed of them Mm. you know so Mm. now I'm definitely just a lot more open about it and I don't feel the need to announce it but if anybody were ever to ask me about it I would definitely answer honestly because I'm not the kind of person to lie about that mm-hmm. so tell me um I'm I interrupted you a few questions ago so tell me y- you call it your religion some and you also said that you've definitely felt like you've had a fallout with Christianity tell me about your faith yeah. now like what's it grounded on you just said that y- you wouldn't necessarily know what truth is tell me about um, where you're at faith wise and then we'll get into some questions that maybe we can address this month or yeah um so I guess the biggest grounding factor um for what I believe in is love um I think that there are a lot of different um religions out there who like name their god different names and have different images for him and for me that source of love is God, the God from the Bible. Um, Sometimes I also do call it like the universe because I feel like in a way to me, like God is the universe because he has this plan for everything and he made everything. And so for me, it's kind of interchangeable to like God, the universe, but I just believe that I am loved and there is a plan for me. And I'm here to love myself and to love everybody around me. Um, And so that's like the biggest thing for me. And then when you get down into like the little nitty gritties, like one thing that I believe in is like karma. I think like what goes around comes around. So karma is a big like belief for me. Um, uh, What do you believe now that's different than what you believed then? uh, 10 years ago. I think my view on sin has definitely changed a lot because for the longest time, like, I've wrestled with God loves us all, but we get condemned when we mess up kind of thing. You know, like one thing that just doesn't sit right with me is how like 
I don't think that this is something that every Christian does. To generalize it would be wrong. Um, but I've definitely seen a lot of Christians blatantly hate members of the LGBT community. Um, and to them, these people are just sinners and they're going to hell. But it just doesn't sit right with me because they're people too that God put here on earth for a purpose. And so that's something that I really struggle with. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you feel like sin in general, like the idea of things being sin, sinful, you struggle with? Or is it specifically because you've observed that in particular? That is definitely the biggest thing. That's the biggest like sin that bothers me. Because like I agree with the Ten Commandments. Like don't steal, don't kill. Like those are 100% accurate. And like... <laughs> Like, those are, like, I don't see them as problematic because it's, like, it is sinful to kill and to steal and to lie. Um, But definitely these more, um, these more, like, nitty-gritty things like premarital sex and being gay, like, those kinds of things being written off as a sin, those are the kinds of things that bother me. Mm. Okay. Anything else that, I mean, I think definitely I want to get someone on here to talk about the tarot cards and crystals because I, I know that there's a reason why, uh, you know, if you're raised in a Christian home and I think there's legit reasons. So we'll have to get someone on here to talk about that. Um, I'd love to know more because I definitely, I've done research, but I don't know the ins and outs. Yeah. And And we can definitely have someone on here to talk about. Um, you know, believing in sin and also believing in loving uh, different communities, especially the LGBTQ plus community, because I think I've had people on here who've spoken about that before way more eloquently than I ever could. And um, I love learning from them. So we'll have someone on here for that. And then is there, you know, you, you spoke a little bit about um, feeling like you had to be perfect for your dad and wanting that and um, I, I sense that you felt very much a similar situation in, um, in your church, which is perhaps why you've kind of gone a different direction, kind of trying to figure out who you are. Am I right? Um, you're absolutely right. Um, okay. I definitely feel this need to be perfect and what they expect me to be when in reality I'm messy and I mess up, but I don't feel accepted for that. Um, my biggest fear is messing up. And instead of having a community to support me, I get shunned. Okay. So we'll have someone on here to talk about that perfectionism and um, freedom and grace. And uh, yeah, I, I know you love your family very much. And I know you were nervous about maybe coming on here, but you also uh, were determined to do it. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) both, uh, both I'm grateful for. I just love you. I think you're a very strong young woman. Um, and I, I think we can love people without always agreeing on things. And I know you care about people very much. So um, anyway, I, okay. So anything else, any other things you want to have me? I mean, here's your chance. I am going to reach out to some great people to come on and talk to me about these issues. And you are welcome to join us. You don't have to, but if you're available, come on when they're talking. But um, I mean, 
I'll reach out to whoever for you. So if you got any other major thing, let's, let's uh, do it now. Honestly, I think, I think I've covered all my bases. I definitely, there is a part of me that wants to know more about like, like, okay, I'm just going to say it. I feel so awkward saying it, but like, I want to know more about why premarital sex is such a sin. Cause I feel like that is something that has been drilled into every kid who was raised in the church church's brain and it's like don't have sex don't have sex but like I want to know why you know like I don't want it I want to be educated on it I don't want it to just be something that I'm I'm told you know Mm -hmm. with no reason because I feel like I never got a reason and that has been something that's always bothered me yeah oh we can have someone on to talk about that too (laughs) (laughs) we'll do it We'll do it. Do you have any questions for me or anything? Um, thank you. How was this? I think um, it can be really scary to completely bear who you are. And it's definitely something that I've been scared of, especially like for my family to know, you know, um, I feel like I've been living with a sense of shame. And I feel like doing this today has taken that weight off my shoulders you know I've finally let it go mm-hmm. and let that part of me kind of like finally rest because now it's like if my family does listen so be it but I'm living my truth and that's something that feels really really good yeah well take it from somebody who used to live in a lot of guilt and shame and the same kind of perfectionistic <laughs> tendencies and used to do things out of rebellion. Uh, I, I mean, I did all sorts of little things. I, I remember like going and buying a pack of cigarettes, like hoping to get addicted because I just thought it wouldn't bother people. <laughs> and I just, it wasn't even that I wanted to bother anyone else. I just wanted the luxury of doing something I knew was wrong um, and to enjoy. I don't know. I, I had a rebellious streak, but, um, and, and you and I obviously have very different upbringings, but, um, you know, for, for different reasons, I had similar, uh, things going on in my head. So, um, nothing can be worked through that isn't exposed to the light. That's what I truly believe. So, um, I'm really glad you're here. And I have one final question for you that I ask everybody who comes on this podcast. And that is, um, you know, the finding something real podcast is about finding restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. I believe that all of those things in their truest form are only found in relationship with Jesus Christ. Restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And I know you're on a journey, and I'm not sure uh, that we have the same strong feelings about that at this point, but if, if I'm right, and restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love are really only found in Jesus, which one stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Okay, so it's restoration, authenticity, and what were the other ones? I'm sorry. No, it's an acronym for real. Restoration, oh. eternity, authenticity, and love. That's a hard one. I think it's got to be a toss-up between authenticity and love. But if one were to take the cake, I think love would be the one for me. Mm-hmm. Being love for who you really are. I think love for everything, love for who I am, love for who the people around me are, love for what I choose to do with my time, you know, love for life itself. You know, like I I just, I think love is in everything. Mm -hmm. 
All right, Liz. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And I'm excited to, uh, to have more conversations based on these questions that you've brought up. And um, so thank you for coming on and sharing with me. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.